0: Hey everyone, Sean Lane here, welcome back for another episode of Operations, the show where we look under the hood of companies in hypergrowth. You know how in sales you can always tell pretty much exactly where someone is at in terms of their performance. You look at percentage of attainment to quota, and by and large you have your answer, right? In a lot of other gigs, though, including operations, the answer to how quote unquote good someone is at their job can be a little bit murkier and how good an operations team is can be murkier still. Luckily, on today's episode, our guest, Jake Randall from Okta, is going to help us clear things up. You're also definitely going to want to stick around for one hell of a pivot table metaphor from Jake coming up later in the show. That may be the nerdiest sentence I've ever said out loud. Anyways, Jake is the VP of operations at Okta, and he's had a front row seat for nearly all of the stages of hypergrowth during his seven plus years at the company, from around their series B up through when the company went public last year and beyond. By the way, Okta now has a $9 billion market cap. That's billion with a B. During his time at the company, Jake has risen through the ranks in a variety of different finance and biz ops roles. Now. Because everyone has their own slightly different definition, before we jumped in, I wanted to level set with Jake on what BizOps actually means at Okta.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I think whenever I meet someone who has a similar title as myself, first question is, wait, so what do you actually do? <laughs> Which is, I think, somewhat unique, maybe, to the BizOps world. Mm. So I think you know, Okta has a slightly maybe different, as it may be. Version of it ourselves. BizOps at Okta is really I call it a centralized strategy and operations team, and so that's everything. Re- and really for our go-to-market org, So that's everything from how we think about building pipeline all the way through to renewing our customers. So think full customer lifecycle, and then all basically supporting all the teams that are involved in that customer lifecycle process. And so I think you know the, the easiest way to kind of think about it is that a big part of that, particularly if you're a hypergrowth company. There's a sales ops function there's our sales strategy again that's actually mm-hmm. that's another role that <laughs> at, at different companies but there's no sales strategy or sales operations that rolls into sales sales strategy and operations rolls up into biz ops and then I report into Got our that. president and help make sure that that entire go to market award and that's the same for all the different ops and strategy functions support the go to market team so making sure that's all aligned and working smoothly and there's a coherent plan.
0: Got it. And seven years is a long time in the tech world, at least for being in a single place in a single company. And so you have also been someone who's been able to grow and in your role and responsibility during that time there. And so for people like me and people who are listening who want to try to grow their careers in ops, why do you think that you've been able to make those jumps and continue to grow inside of ops?
1: Yeah, sure. That's a good question. First of all, what I'll say, and I'm sure we'll touch on this, is that I joke that I've worked at different companies over the last seven years. They all, to, <laughs> but they also have to a same name, right? And so that's yep. part of the fun part. But as you go through these different, you know, spurts, I'm hoping no stops, just Absolutely. spurts. You know, I think I can give you my background quickly. Actually, if that helps. So I started out the first Please. four years that I was at Okta, for the first four of seven. I ran finance, operations, and legal for us, okay. and then transitioned over the last three years into this biz ops function that I just talked about. I think there's a lot of different things that make you good at ops or what's been helpful. For me, there was a lot of it that was because of the function and because it is so centralized and you could argue that part of what BizOps is at office, at least is kind of this connective tissue to the whole business. That puts you in a really strong position to really understand the way, I guess maybe this is why we call call BizOps, the way the business operates, right? And, you know, I, and this, this is what I tell people on my team, and I think this is certainly how I thought about it in, in my career here is that I'm going to put you as someone on the BizOps and Medaca, I'm going to put you in a great position where you have incredible insight into the business, how it works, what are our key strategies, what's going on, and then it's really on you to take advantage of that opportunity, right? And I think that that's something that's for people that are in ops function, you have a unique seat at the table to understand what's happening. And it's really on you to take advantage of that opportunity.
0: When Jake talks about taking advantage of an opportunity at a high-growth company, I wanted to better understand what that actually means through the lens of ops roles. What does it mean to be, quote, good at ops? He clearly had navigated that well himself at Okta. And what he told me may surprise you. He said it's actually not just about being analytical or good with numbers or Excel spreadsheets.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of what makes people successful in the role is that empathy for the different people that they support and be able to communicate what at times can be hard things, either in that they're kind of very technical or very analytical, or hard things in that, you know, if you're in a sales ops role, I guess one of the classic things is comp plans. Those are hard conversations. And the ability to take that analytical mindset and translate it into a kind of empathetic conversation with your business partner, with the head of sales, with the head of marketing and affect change. I think that's actually kind of the most important thing that you have to get out. You have to be seen as someone that can get out from behind the uh, Excel spreadsheet as it may be.
0: Right. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like, you know, okay, I want to be empathetic. I want to do that. Like, how do I do that? I think a lot of that does come from just getting out from behind your desk or your spreadsheet, whatever it is you want to say, and actually getting out there and having a real perspective on what those people are doing. And I would imagine that during those first few years when you were doing finance and legal and things like that that gave you a pretty unique perspective that I would assume like correct me if I'm wrong is that helps you in your job today.
1: Yeah absolutely I mean I think the one that was probably most important was that legal function as a caveat I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> What's this saying <laughs> disclaimer where, we where, got it Where are those ads It's like I'm not a doctor <laughs> but I stayed at a holiday inn something
0: like that. Remember those ads? Ad oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I did say, I say it all, yeah.
1: all night. Yep. So anyways, as is the nature of any good startup, people get to do lots of things they shouldn't otherwise be, be doing. So one of those things for me was yep. running our legal team and I somehow convinced actually a really great legal team that's still here to come on board to help me with that. But part okay. of that was that because of that function, I would go on site with our chief revenue officer and I was somewhat is right hand person helping to work through these complex contracts and you know both commercial negotiations. I actually still own our deal desk here, so pricing and packaging and deal structuring. So the commercial parts of it as well as the legal parts to getting some of our largest, most important companies when we're in that kind of series C, Series D round when you're really trying to get some momentum going. So things like that, again, I think you know that's probably somewhat of a unique experience quite frankly that I got
0: here building those connections that Jake is talking about, whether they be with sales, marketing, customer success, that is one of my favorite parts of my job. Let's face it, even if you're not in ops, the way you're perceived by the people you work most closely with is going to have an impact on how much of an impact you can make. Where things get more interesting though is that in ops, you can't just spend all your time developing relationships with people outside your team, right? You have to spend time with your own team and you have to think about them as well. So I wanted to learn how Jake had set his team up for success.
1: So the way we're organized is I'm actually the only person that has biz ops in my title. So I have a head of real desk. Ahead. I have a head of sales strategy and operations. I have a head of partners. I've got the head of professional services and customer success, right? But they all, I think what's really key is that, I guess, the point of this connective tissue is making sure that, everyone understands the other parts of the business. And in turn, I think that's a lot of what, as a leader of BizOps, trying to focus on is that you may be in charge of field desk, because we were talking about that, but you have to really understand Mm -hmm. the sales strategy side of this. And you have to understand the professional service side of the business, because what you're really trying to do is create an efficient, go to market. And so just find those connection points, understanding people that have this kind of, Basically, having a team, I guess, that can work to find those points and therefore figure out how to create efficiencies and how to create that kind of scale and leverage. That's a lot of what this office is doing: trying to create scale and leverage in the business. And so, people that think outside the box, people that think outside their functioning is really critical.
0: Finding connection points to create scale and leverage. If you take nothing else away from Jake's team today, it's that finding connection points to create scale and leverage. But I wanted to illustrate this point further. So let's dig into an example, pipeline.
1: Yeah, you know, marketing does a ton of pipeline build for us. But when we think about pipeline, it's not a marketing thing. There's partners that mm-hmm. bring us into deals. There's AEs that can do outbound. There's customer success reps that can find the cross-sell when they're in there doing the QBR with one of our existing customers. And so it's really also, it's funny to make jokes about Excel and whatnot, but we've always kind of thought of it, as think a pivot table, I guess if is an ops, podcast, optical, so we we'll all know what that is, right? I'll be, <laughs> yeah, I think we've I'll got to, to know it. what a pivot table is in general, but like, it's this ability yep. to, to take the idea of marketing and sales and all these, what historically have been at times siloed functions in their own kind of thing, and how can you pivot that and look at it differently and say, it's, it's not about marketing or sales or partners or whatever it may be, but it's about how do we generate demand in our business? And that's a much Mm. bigger, broader, interesting way to think about it, in my opinion. And because you're thinking about how do we all work together? How do we all play a part in this broader concept of building pipeline or building demand? And so I think that's Mm. a lot to what I try to think about with the team. And I think how we've thought about it in general over time is kind of shift the uh, lens on how you look at some of these common problems.
0: Yeah. So let me just kind of regurgitate that back to you because I think this is an awesome takeaway and I want to make sure that I'm getting it right. But basically, you're thinking about ops as that pivot table where you can give the right lens back to not only those key stakeholders that traditionally you might think, you know, okay, marketing cares most about pipeline, but instead using that as a lens to be able to make it more of like a company metric or a company topic and get alignment around that thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So you said it much better than I did.
1: <laughs> but that no, is, no, no, but, no. That is but yeah, but that's absolutely the idea that like there's pillars, I'll call it, of how you go to market if ultimately mm-hmm. what I would call biz offset off is kind of your go to market strategy and operations. There's pillars of that go to market strategy. And you need mm-hmm. to get everyone to have, feel some ownership of that. So again, pipeline, well that's something that we should everyone should feel ownership in and that we should all orient around that and not make it, hey, marketing, you're not you know, generating a pipeline. Because it's not just marketing. AEs, you should do a right. pipeline, Jen. And we should have a common framework to look at that and think about how do we generate demand across all these different business units. Similarly, you can think about forecasting. That's traditionally a sales process. You all get on call and you do forecasting. <laughs> well, we've tried to do a lot to make it really about how does everyone have some ownership in that? how do you make sure that sales forecasting is also about building pipeline so let's get marketing involved let's get partners involved let's think about different ways to really shift that lens Mm-hmm.
0: And I think for people that are listening to this, I think you're going to have two big buckets, right? You're going to have people like me who are lucky enough to work on a centralized ops team like the one that you're talking about. And, you know, I'm nodding aggressively at the things that you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then there's also going to be some folks who are hearing that and they're going to be shaking their heads because either they don't buy into this idea or They're in a particular organization where they feel incredibly siloed and they would like to be in a world where some of these things are looked at more comprehensively and across that entire customer journey that you started the conversation by talking about. For the people in that second bucket, how can they try to enact some sort of change or shift some of those lenses that we're talking about so that their companies can look at things similar to the way that you do at Okta? Hmm. Does that make
1: sense? Yeah, it makes all sense. First of all, I'll say that I don't know if what I do, if the way we do or the way Drift does it is correct. So for all I know, we have a much better plan, right? I mean, I joke at times, if it was easy, if there was a common playbook that worked for everyone, then every company would go public, Mm -hmm. right? There's always challenges. But I think if it's interesting, a little bit to what I talked about maybe earlier around people that want to go and do something different and like want to expand. I think one of the things I talk about with my team, certainly, is that there's tons of problems. Every company has lots of problems. God knows that the majority of my job at this point has turned into people just calling me with problems. No one ever calls me with good things. Everyone always just calls me and hey, I want to tell you how messed up this is. No one ever says, hey, let me call <laughs> you and say, this is working perfectly. <laughs> um, but so yeah. there's always problems.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. You're doing a hell of yeah, a job. Yeah, no, it's
1: like, yeah, this is broken. What's happening here? But um, there's always problems. And one of the things that I joke about is that everyone's actually just looking for someone to show up with the PowerPoint and explain how we can fix it. And what you find, I think, and it's a little bit of kind of what makes someone successful in biz ops, back to the earlier conversation. People are actually pretty open and welcome to new ideas. And you'll never get, assuming you work at a good company with a good culture and a good boss, you're never going to get in trouble for showing up with a new idea and a new way to kind of look at things. And if you can say, "Hey, this is a problem. Here's what I think. This is why this is impacting us in this way. Here's a potential solution to it." Quite frankly, that's what everyone wants. Like that's the dream. Mm. If you're a manager. And you walk into your one-on-one, and someone shows up to their one-on-one and says, hey, I was thinking about this issue, and here's my thoughts on how we could fix it, and here's how it would work, and here's whatever. Here's why. Here's some fancy PowerPoint or something. I I was up late last night putting together for you. You're like, yes. There's no greater moment in your time as a manager than that moment. And so I think people can be scared, understandably. There's just, oh, I'm putting myself out there. I'm gonna put my, my, mm. my kind of neck on the line. I'm gonna offer up something new and different than what we've done in the past. But I think you should just feel if you actually believe that's the right thing to do, you should feel confident in that, and you should. And I would also just encourage people understanding like that's what everyone wants. And if that's and if right. the, some of the yeah, that's the whole thing, answers. it's like someone show up and say, "Hey, I think we could do it this way, and like, wouldn't this be cool?" And then you should be, you know, it might not work. God knows I've come up with ideas that people are like, that's a terrible idea. What were you thinking? But I, <laughs> but I never get in trouble for coming with it. You, know, you should never feel anxious around asking about it or proposing it. So I think it's just really just being comfortable with that and thinking about how to, again, if you're in an ops function, you probably have great purview over the business. You can see these issues. And so take comfort in the fact that people are actually looking to try to bring these things to light and propose new solutions.
0: Right. And I think half the battle on that too is just realizing that you do have that purview, right? And taking a step back and realizing the fact that you have this exposure that is unique and you have a perspective that is unique. I feel very lucky that I get to have conversations like this as a result of doing this Mm -hmm. show. But I also think one of the reasons why we wanted to do it was the fact that I personally, at least, and maybe I'm not looking hard enough, couldn't find a lot of resources that were like this, out there for op specific people. And I'm curious, am I wrong? Like, where do you go to try and get better? That's yes, a great point. Um, I'm, now I'm kind of racking my brain.
1: <laughs> where, like, <laughs> what resources are out there? Um, I think I'll tell you that I agree. There's not a lot of resources out there like this. I've gone to happy hours or whatever. I think a lot of the sure. resources become networking, I guess. Within you know mm-hmm. this kind of sub industry or whatever you would call it that we do, I think what's funny about it is there's or at least my own take on it or what I've seen is there's lots of resources out there around how to think about setting like a pipe gen target, lots of resources about how to you know mm-hmm. run a forecast call or what cadence you should set up as a sales ops team, but you know how to think about different ways to affect churn or whatever it may be. If you want to think through the entire customer mm-hmm. life cycle, there, those are all very tactical things which are super important. You know, and there's stuff out there, but I think the idea of how do you look at it more broadly, which I think is, you know, this idea of, again, biz ops, and it seems to be more where the operations function is trending over time, there's not a lot out there around that. So I think it's a super interesting topic,
0: trying to put something together on it. (laughs) Before we go, at the end of each show, we're going to ask each guest the same lightning round of questions. Here we go. Best book you've read in the last six months?
1: I just read a book called "Arsenal of Democracy," which is about the industrialization of America to get ready for World War II. So you can tell that I like operations. things.
0: Cool.
1: <laughs> it's like Ford and the you know in like, in like yep. the production plants and like heavy <laughs> operations history stuff. So yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> you passed the test. Yeah. What is your favorite part about working in ops?
1: It's. You can probably guess this also, given what we just talked about, but it's just all the exposure that you get. It's the people that you get to talk to and meet and the way you get to try to you know, solve problems across the business.
0: Least favorite part about working in ops?
1: All the problems that there are to solve and all the bad conversations you have.
0: <laughs> Someone who impacted you getting the job you have today.
1: So the way I got my job, actually, there's a woman, Julie. I was actually in Boston. I grew up in Boston, where Drift is. I was working for a healthcare startup. And when we were quite frankly winding down this healthcare startup, it turns out that there's also this whole topic well, Like you know, there's failures, right? It's okay to fail, and eventually you'll have success. So we were winding down this healthcare startup, and I decided that I wanted to keep doing startups despite the lack of success in this healthcare one I was doing in Boston. And this woman, Julie, was like, "Oh, you should, you know, talk to my friend Todd. Todd's our CEO." And she said, "Oh, Yo, you should talk to my friend Todd if you want to keep doing startups." He just kind of started this startup, and she was like friends with him she didn't know and all of a sudden, so she introduced me and i kind of right. woke him up and i'm like you realize your friend todd's like pretty smart and they just raised you know they have their a they're they're the first cloud investment of Andreessen horowitz and they said they're b with like graylock this is not just like some buddy that's kicking around in like a right. you know in a garage right? <laughs> she's like i don't know like yeah and
0: she's like i don't know like he's
1: just like my friend we used to you know go out drinking or whatever in you know San Francisco and I live there. Right. And I was like, eh. So probably Julie the most, right?
0: <laughs> that is an amazing intro. I hope that she gets a big oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one. One piece of advice for people who want to have your job someday.
1: Ooh, don't be afraid to just put yourself out there. I think kind of to what I was talking about earlier. Again, it's that you've got to take some risks. You've got to take a stance and have an opinion on things and come up with some solutions and just kind of own it. I think that you have to put yourself outside your comfort zone. So don't be afraid to do that.
0: All right, that's it. A huge thank you to Jake Randall from Okta for joining us for this episode of Operations and an equally enormous thank you to all of you for tuning in. I want to just take a minute and thank everyone in the Seeking Wisdom community who sent me a LinkedIn message, tweeted at me after we've launched the first couple episodes. The response has been amazing. Special shout out to Maribel from PI. Dennis sent me a uh, LinkedIn message from PandaDoc. Ashley from Notarize. Matt Wood sent me a video reply on Twitter, which was really cool. I had never seen that before. All the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, Also good to have some critics. You know, I got a text from my mom. Uh, She wanted to make sure that we take a look uh, at the background music again. Uh, She texted me, any chance the background music could be more upbeat and inviting? So we will work on that. You can't please everybody. Uh, Anyways... Whether you've got feedback on the music or you have some guests that you want to hear from or topics you want to hear us cover, please help us make this show better. Send me your feedback. Shoot me a note on LinkedIn. Tweet at me at ShawneeBiz. Or you can always leave us one of those coveted six stars reviews on Apple Podcasts. Six star reviews only, please. That's it for me. See you guys next time.